Hey there, everybody. <sighs> trying to think of the German word. I think it's welcomen. <laughs> Lars can help us out. Goodness gracious. Hmm. Yeah, happy Ascension Pathway from Germany. I'm out in the countryside. Very happy to be joining with you on this full moon day. What a blessing that we get to join together for the full moon. The moon is uh, just going full. Yay. And it's a lunar eclipse on top of all that. Wow. I don't know if you are feeling it, but I definitely am. And I'm grateful that we're coming together in joy and in love for the purpose of our healing. So let's take that breath together. <sighs> Tune in to the higher Holy Spirit self. Tuning upward, tuning inward. Tuning to the life of love that we so deeply desire. So grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to open ourselves to divine inspiration and intuition. We're opening ourselves to divine healing. And we're grateful and thankful to be the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of love, fully awake and aware of the higher Holy Spirit self leading us and guiding us in our dialogue. It's a divine dialogue that we're having. We're grateful to consciously affirm that this time is dedicated to our healing, to our expansion, to our clarity. We're claiming it for our healing. So grateful that we have everything we need to have an ascended master healing. So grateful to consciously say yes to living a miraculous life. We're calling forth all manner of miracles in our mind and demonstrating in our life. We're truly grateful and truly thankful to say yes to the unprecedented, unlimited life of love that we're born to live. We're saying yes to standing in our true identity. And in gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we allow our healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. <sighs> mm, indeed. A whole lot of healing going on. Sometimes it doesn't look like it, though. Sometimes it looks like something completely different. Oh, boy. Hmm. So I am going to give everyone who's on the line currently to... Uh, a chance to say hello and introduce themselves. Uh, so I'm going to take us into interactive mode and everyone will become unmuted. You know the drill, so you can self-mute yourself and then we're good to go. So here we go. Interactive. Mm-hmm. When I say interactive like that, I think of, what is that song, the song Radioactive? It's an old song. Anyway, 
<laughs> well, so here we are on this full moon, day of releasing, lunar eclipse. It's a very highly charged energy day, and uh, we are in a very highly charged energy time, as we have been for years now. And it's not getting less intense, depending on our level of uh, our commitment to our work and the work that we're doing. It's um, more or less intense. And what I see certainly in myself and definitely in all of you is we're all becoming more our true selves. And we're all <clears throat> becoming more loving and less fearful. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to witness and to participate in. So considering what it is that we would like to release, and just thinking about what it is that no longer serves our life of love, I would like for us to particularly look at our reactions. In the teachings of Master Saint Germain, he talks about being very disciplined in our countenance, in our feeling body. And so one of the things he talks about is that it's not at all helpful to keep things in, in the sense of it's, it's actually more helpful to us as spiritual students that if we're feeling explosive anger to just let it out if we can, if we can't if rather than to stew in resentment it's more helpful to us to let it out than to stew in resentment and i think we've all come to intuitively see this and are doing less and less stewing worrying uh, holding on to regret and resentment. We're much more skilled at resolving and dissolving things and moving onward. So I I'm, I'm keep coming back to this because this is, the, this is the real spiritual discipline. It's how we live our life. And more, uh, more and more I see people are wanting esoteric um, spiritual teachings and wanting to know secret formulas. But the secret formula is to be loving in your heart, fully loving in your heart. And so that practical application is what I like to focus on. And so one of the things is that some people hold a lot in. And uh, if they were poker players, we'd say they're holding their cards very close to their vest. Uh, some people are extremely transparent. They wear everything on their sleeve. Okay, we've got lots of clothing metaphors here. <laughs> and the thing is, is that we have this fire element, this fire element that we can call into expression with intensity when we have great emotion. And one of the things that I witness in myself is I very often, particularly when I was younger and uh, not as aware, 
I bounced back and forth between wearing my emotions on my sleeve and being highly reactive, radioactive, highly reactive. And then I would also bounce into being cold, sullen, withdrawn, or just not letting anybody know I was frightened, I was vulnerable, I was worried, uh, really hiding what was going on. And going back and forth and back and forth. So letting everybody know I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, and taking it out on everyone, and then really hiding, hiding, hiding. And so when I was taking everything out on everyone, I had no self-control. And I was trying to manipulate and control other people with my feelings and emotions. And so I was being unkind by the use of my emotions and then controlling myself to such a degree I was out of a touch with my emotions and so the only emotions I was in touch with were frustration, anger, irritation, upset, resentment, those kinds of things and I remember very well in my 20s that I started to realize that I was uh, out of touch with my emotions and that I was terrified of letting myself feel my feelings because I thought it would be overwhelming and overpowering and that it would literally kill me in some way. It would just destroy me. I was afraid of being vulnerable. Terrified of being vulnerable is probably a more accurate statement. To me, vulnerability was death. And and I, I'm, I know that that's something I came in with, and I know that my relationship with my family helped to exacerbate that, which was good because it helped make it intolerable. So it helped propel me towards my healing. So... Just looking at your own self and looking at how you are in the world, do you do you also go back and forth between letting everybody know how you feel uh, and blaming them perhaps somewhat for how you feel and uh, being annoyed and frustrated with people, situations and circumstances, and then being emotional and sometimes taking it out on other people, and then hiding how you feel, uh, being afraid to feel how you feel. Are these things that you are still working with? And how can we bring all of this to the light? So... A lot of times we act or react with an intensity that oftentimes we just don't even understand. We don't know where it comes from, and we are feeling like a victim of it. It's happening to us. That was something that used to happen to me all the time. And the more... For me, the more awake and aware I become, the more loving I become, the more important it is 
not to fall back into any of those old habits of expressing or withholding the emotions, but to really truly set my sights on being much more mas masterful. And so where when I was younger, I had to really exercise self-control not to become annoyed or frustrated or irritated with things, I began to notice that genuinely I did not feel annoyed or frustrated or irritated with things that used to always bother me. And now I can see how just with a quick I am statement, something that might generally cause me to feel triggered into annoyance or frustration, I can make an I am statement and my peace stays. I am the presence which nothing can disturb. I am that I am. I am the presence which nothing can disturb. I am undisturbable. I set the intention one year, many years ago, to be unbotherable. And that was extremely helpful to me, to set the intention to be unbotherable. So for me, yes, I'd like to be unbotherable, undisturbable, and I do not wish to deny or suppress my emotions because that is not healthful or helpful to me. As we know, our emotions are that divine alarm clock going off. So I, I go back to this again and again and again because it's just so much a part of our human experience and any layer of misunderstanding or confusion that we can release together. I'd love to go for that. Also, to become more and more highly aware of where we're allowing ourselves to react and we could be more masterful. So to be able to do this without any shame and without any regret. And so to really be able to live in that space if things happen unexpectedly, that the I am presence is always on guard. Remember the the mind of God never sleeps. So the I am presence is always on guard going before us. So there's no, there's really no, sorry, I just got distracted. Um, the I am presence is always on guard. So there's really nothing that in a real sense is a surprise to the I am presence. It's a surprise to the personality. It's a surprise to the personality. And so when the personality is surprised or caught off guard or things are not as expected, anticipated, or as we wish them to be, then where do we go? And my younger feelings of being terrified of being vulnerable, uh, I was always desperate to 
maintain an even keel when I felt threatened. If I felt anger, frustration, or irritation, that kind of feeling threatened, that was okay because I could take that out on other people. But any sense of vulnerability in the sense of I'm not enough, something's wrong with me, then I wanted to keep that safely hidden. So I'm not interested in hiding at all anymore, but I I still am aware that there are times when I personally feel frustrated or annoyed and my personality would like to roll its eyes and huff and puff a bit and say, oh, come on, please, that's ridiculous. Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. My personality will go there and my higher self, my true self, has the awareness that's where the personality would like to go but that's not where we're going. And there are many times when I will, and I do mean many times, uh, you know, in the course of a, whatever, a week, where I, I don't know if it's a daily occurrence, but it's it's close to a daily occurrence where I would have an experience where I'm thinking, eh, I say it's a daily experience. Uh, where I have a, an experience where I I trip into thinking uh, something's not how I wish it were, or oh come on, some some kind of a reactive state like that, and just like I'm always sharing, saying to myself, "There's nothing to be upset about," and. Everything is working together for my good. And usually I don't even have to say that because as soon as I feel that divine alarm clock going off, I'm moving into making myself peaceful. Now, one of the things I recognize for myself is sometimes I'll be telling somebody, uh, a close friend or a colleague or somebody, even a student, uh, I'll be sharing something that happened to me, and I, I'm such a storyteller, and I will train myself to tell it in a dramatic way where there are implied judgments and opinions and things like that. And then I, I realize that I'm telling the story. I'm performing the story of what happened, and I realize all this emotion that I'm telling the story with it's totally for performance. It's totally, I'm in my story, storyteller. It's not how I feel at all. And I, I have found myself a number of times lately saying, so I'm telling it this, this way to make you laugh and to make the story dramatic, but I don't actually feel any of this, <laughs> which I think is comical because my point of view has changed so much that I I just don't have the same feelings about things anymore, but I'm still the same old storyteller that likes to tell things in a way that can get a laugh and be dramatic. So that's something I'm looking at myself. And so I'm I'm inviting a conversation here about walking in the world with A, greater discipline and greater authenticity. And so are you noticing 
in your life experience where uh, you get caught off guard emotionally and what then what happens and also uh, when you notice you have a tendency to not really feel comfortable letting anybody know you feel vulnerable or to hide how you feel and even that can actually be helpful in terms of not giving in to surface emotions. So just checking in on these things and seeing what people would like to share, what they're noticing about their emotional expressions transforming and feeling more masterful, where you'd like to feel more masterful and where you are feeling more masterful. So I'm, I'm going to, so that's a lot to cover, but just going to, are you noticing that you have more ability to control and not react? And then how do you honor your feelings while not always expressing them? So anybody like to share? Yes, this is Anna Marie. I had recently uh, I had recently an experience with my daughter. We went on an outing together and she was she brought her twelve year old daughter with her and I noticed that my daughter um complained quite a few times to to the granddaughter that uh, she's uh, she is eating the wrong thing or she should not eat that or she should not uh, push her knees into the back of the car seat and so on and i definitely had had no problem to withhold any comment and just stay smiling and of course I felt this is ridiculous Uh, you know what is she complaining about this child is just perfectly natural and normal she's just living the way a 12 year old lives and then I later on I felt I did not express it and I, I When I thought about it, I mean, even during the time, I said to myself, well, everything is perfect. Everything is complete. My daughter is fine. And I let it go. But somehow it still rankled me even later on. One time we talked on a community call and I mentioned I just did not know where this comes from. And now that you're talking about I think it's because maybe I did not honor it afterwards, this feeling of, you know, this is ridiculous, it doesn't make sense to complain. Mm. That is such a good thing to bring up, yes. So Master St. Germain teaches that when something unexpected, something unpleasant comes up, uh, 
to actually say, we will dismiss this. We, meaning me and the I am that I am. We will dismiss mm-hmm. this. We're we're not engaging in this. And for me, it's it changes over the course of the healing experience, not over, I was going to say over the course of time, but it's really over the, because of the results of spiritual practice. But the thing that makes the difference is between saying, I'm not going to react to that. I'm not going to respond to that. I'm going to maintain peace and harmony. I'm not going to let them know this bothers me. Those kinds of statements I used to say, and then moving into the place of, all is well. Peace is the only thing that's happening here. Uh, everything is working together for good. The I am presence of everyone in the room is in charge. And this is our opportunity for healing and expansion. Let me be a focal point of peace and healing. Making statements like that, then there's a, a real transmutation that happens with the emotion. So it's not just noticing it and releasing it, but actually taking the energy of it and transmuting it. Or like an alchemy. Yes, that makes sense. So what I'm hearing you say, Anna Marie, is that you you did you were suppressing it. Yeah. And so then later, yeah. Did you want to say something more? No, I mean, this is exactly what it was. I was suppressing it. And then later on, even a couple of days later, I kept thinking, why does this, why does this uh, continually come up in my thoughts, you know? And mm-hmm. every time when it came up in my thoughts, you know, I gave it to, the, I put it on the altar, but somehow it just kept coming, coming back. But I probably did not release it properly, uh, this, the energy of it, just as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The more we purify our hearts and minds, the more... Uh, these things become apparent to us. And as I was contemplating this in preparation for our class today, I was thinking about Venerable. And Venerable is such a wonderful teacher to me because uh, in, on the occasion when I'll say something like, oh, I don't really like that, or um, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that, or something like that, she doesn't In my awareness, she doesn't just say, oh, I know what you mean. She she doesn't say things like that. I mean, she might say, I I understand what you mean. I know what you mean. But she will, if there's any kind of a slight negative comment, she will find the thing that brings it back to peace. So she might say something like, Yes, uh, people who have a certain kind of insecurity will often behave that way as a way of bringing more love into their life or something like that. Uh, She Mm -hmm. always has a way of 
bringing it back to the truth. So if we're making statements like, oh, why do they have to be so annoying? Uh, and, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, give into it. I'm not gonna show that I feel annoyed. Whatever we do to hold it in and not express it, that's not the same as transforming it, as transmuting it, as, or, Ultimately, the highest and best thing is to really acknowledge that whatever that disturbance is, it has no power. It really is based in a false perception. So every little disturbance is an opportunity for us to correct our mind. And that's why it's not enough to just simply say, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. But to really go to that place of the healing. So any idea what you could have done in the moment, just in your own mind, that could have been healing that well, you didn't do? It's possible if I had said, follow the whole pono pono, I would have felt its release. That's very possible. But right. also, on the other hand, I could just say I put it on the altar for the highest healing, for the best healing for all of us, just for the healing, as you say. I think that would have, have made a difference, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I could say I'm seeing it is normal for a, for a mother to be maybe a, a little bit irritable for whatever reason I don't know but it, that's perfectly no, normal so this is not an issue this is just something that happens but it's for the highest and best for me to recognize that this mm-hmm. is not a big thing and it's just something that happened and I let it go and I leave it on the altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, I, I do Ho'opono uh, at times when things like that are going on. I find it very helpful and I watch as the energy does shift and change and I do invoke the violet flame and uh, another I am affirmation is I am the mighty presence governing everyone's activity. I am the mighty presence governing everyone's activity. And I remember I was talking about a couple of weeks ago witnessing how when my um family was having some arguments and upsets that I could call in that I could literally feel energetically or in a sense perceive or see energetically that it was like volcanic eruption and that when the volcanic eruption of emotion was happening calling in the violet flame helped so much to transmute it and so you could do the same thing in this kind of a situation. And 
furthermore, there's a, a sense that I have, Anna Marie, that if you think what, okay, it seems like your daughter was annoyed that her daughter was kicking the seat in front of her, was eating something that wasn't nutritious in her mind, um, doing things that needed to be corrected. The, your your granddaughter was doing things that her mother needed to correct and say, that's bad, that's wrong, that's not good. Um, and wasn't in the same way energetically that's the same kind of a pattern that was going on in your mind regarding your daughter. I think you're right. I mean, just now, as you talk about it, this suddenly came to my mind. This must be the same thing that I used to do. And then maybe you're doing it now. Possible, yeah. Because in a sense, what's the difference between saying you know, uh, to the child, you know, don't kick the seat, that's annoying, that's frustrating, and saying to the adult child, don't reprimand her for kicking the seat like that, that, you know, that's annoying, that's disturbing. <laughs> right? Right. It's, uh, you're absolutely right. This is very clear now. <laughs> It was not clear at the moment, you know, to me. I mm-hmm. I was sort mm-hmm. of stuck. I was just stuck in it. That um, it would be great if she didn't say it, if my daughter didn't say those things, you know. And I, I was just sort of stuck with my thinking. I, I did, could not move on. I couldn't move beyond, you know. Of course, I put mm-hmm. it on the altar, but it just it still bothered me. <laughs> And isn't that the same thing that your daughter's going through? Possible, yes. Annoyed with her daughter. Mm -hmm. So let's just take a little bit deeper look at this. So if you were to, to look at the essence of it, what... Was your daughter really annoyed by? Like, what was the real root essence of the thought there that she was getting triggered? What do you think her belief was that was triggering her? So circumstances, situations, they trigger the belief, and it's the belief that's Irritating, not the activity. What do you mm. think the belief was? Mm. Well, the belief was um, things are not things are not going as well as they should. Uh, we had she picked me up at my house, and then we. Um, uh, we wanted to take a certain road, and then all of a sudden we were blocked, and we had to make a big detour, and so we were delayed. 
considerably, and I think that was a big irritant to her. But during the whole thing, she contained that irritant to some degree, except for saying, oh, we are now so delayed. If we had been able to go the other way, it would not be that way or so. I think that was just in her in her kept sitting in her mind and eventually she had this expression of what was not good enough somehow what her mm-hmm. daughter did. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I cannot tell. It's possible that when I'm around she gets more irritated. I I don't know. Well, I I do know that there is a common feeling among parents and grandparents and children is that when children are misbehaving in front of their grandparents, that the parents feel it reflects badly on them, and they want their parents and in-laws to think well of their parenting so it's it can be a little bit more upsetting when the grandchildren are misbehaving in front of their grandparents yeah that's true but i i never had i had never noticed that on her i noticed that exactly with one of my sons how that uh, triggered him when the grandchildren didn't behave well in front of me. <laughs> and um, But um, I never noticed it with my daughter, with this daughter. It mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. it still tri- it triggers her. That's very possible. I'm just not aware of it. Yeah, and some parents uh, really micromanage their children. And correct them and correct them and correct them and correct them. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So, and I have friends and I know people who are more micromanaging of their children and and more corrective of them. So your daughter perhaps is triggered because she's feeling that these things reflect poorly on her. She may not even be at all aware of that. Mhm, mhm, and then, what do you think was really triggering you if you were going to put into words why it really bothered you when your daughter was correcting her daughter? I don't know it's it's possible that I remembered my own um, time of parenting, that's possible because 
nowadays, I think many, many times that I would be, I would, many things I would do differently when I raised, differently than what I did when I raised them. I feel today I have much more insight into also the mind of the children, how they act and what triggers them and so on. I feel uh, we have better understanding of their needs and also feelings on their development. We have much better understanding than was than we what we had available at the time when my children grew up. Of course, we had Doctor Spock, but that was just the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I think nowadays the psychology offers so much help in many ways, and then we so. Um, it's possible that it was a reaction to my own feeling I could possibly have done better. I I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for all this sharing, and I'm going to open it up to the group. Does anybody have anything they'd really like to share? So we're talking about moving from not just being able to control your reactions and to be able to be masterful at being unbotherable while not being in denial of the feelings at all, really recognizing them, but not needing to make a display of them. Some people are able to control their feelings uh, pretty easily, and some people it's pretty challenging. So it's not helpful to compare. Um, like for me, I'm I'm not someone who cries uh, a lot. I I tend to cry when I'm happy, uh, and I don't tend to feel sad very often. Um, I used to feel angry a lot, but not very sad. And when I was angry, I just got mad. I didn't cry. And uh, I tend to cry it uh, when I'm uh, very happy and very grateful. And uh, But there are many people who cry very easily. They, they uh, cry a lot. And there's no good or bad, there's no better or worse, there's really not, because I think in the spectrum of things, the thing that's really beautiful and valuable is our own uniqueness and our ability to be authentic. So how do we be transparent and authentic without allowing our emotions to run away with us without taking our emotions out on other people. That's what we're talking about here is having the discipline to be masterful and to transmute the energy 
as it's coming up and to recognize that if we didn't do that, we can still do it at a later time. And in no way is it ever valuable to stuff those feelings down. Anybody have any examples, any comments, any questions? I do. Mary Christine. Hey. It's not hi. It's um I'll give you a for instance. The okay. Well it it gosh, I don't know where to start. Um <laughs> okay. The person that I'm, my friend George, he he doesn't want to live anymore, and he's not even wanting to go to the doctor anymore, and symptoms are getting more pronounced. And I was given permission by him to talk to the insurance company about a specific thing. Come to find out, it's kind of all screwed up, and um, <laughs> I get off the phone. And I'm going, at first I started to get a little upset because he was dishonest with me about it. Maybe he can't remember. It doesn't matter. The thing is that I, I did go to the light. But here's here's the, the rub. It's different when um, the energy feels different, although it's not supposed to be. There's no big and little. Uh, it feels different when it's, it's somebody that is choosing to, to let go like that to... Um, it's challenging for me. What is my next step? That was the first thing I asked when I got off the phone. And I put out the light, the violet flame, and the healing, the green ray. I put that out there, and I'm going, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And I got back really quickly, nothing. And there doesn't feel a sense of helplessness because I'm here to assist. There's There is a, a feeling of disappointment and um, judgment. I didn't react to him. He doesn't even know I know any of this stuff at the moment. I'm waiting for a time when he's in a good mood so we can talk a little bit, but it doesn't feel like it's now. I'm so grateful this class came up because I I would like to move to the miracle-minded because right now I feel like it's a miracle being able to, if I am as I am, being able to really let go of attachment to whatever this looks like. It's, that's big because I love him. And speaking of miracle-minded, would you please go over again, like you did in MLC3, just the one little tiny portion, what does level adjustment mean? I still don't get it. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that context was. And um, just... Hang on a second, and I can tell you it's up on my screen. It was talking about forgiveness number six, I think it is, in the... Um, Spiritual principles. Special miracle level, principle. I, yeah. Yeah. 
The level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for us to have healing. What does level adjustment power of the miracle mean? My understanding of it is that it's about, uh, so the levels are the level of the mind, the level of the body. Yeah. Uh, so it talks about all healing is at the level of the mind. And so a level adjustment is where we're working at one level, say the level of the body, the level of form. And we can make that adjustment to the level of the mind. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So remember, the miracle is when we have a change of heart, basically. So when we have a change of heart, we have that miracle, then the the work of the healing moves to a different level. Yeah. Uh, from level of the body to level of the mind, level of the spirit. And were you asking that in relationship to what I'm going through right now with my friends? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but I, I had come across that question before, and I just never had a chance to get it clarified. But, yes, mm-hmm. definitely miracle-minded. The miracle is, um, as I spoke to you recently, the um, – I don't feel so much like it's the karma stuff that's happening right now. I feel like I've moved into an initiation Mm. of being to witness life and death and Mm -hmm. uh, have more attachment and have great compassion. Yes. Because it would be tempting to think he should do this, he shouldn't do that. And it's when the symptoms come and the new things come. It's like a, it's not like an old feud with a sister or something like that where you kind of know what to expect out of the situation if you're going to go in. It's like every day is a new day. The day may change. It may get better. It may get more um, challenging for this person. And so it's the unknown and always constantly being aware so I can make those shifts in my own consciousness because naturally I want to, my past is that either I didn't, never mind, the past is the past, but the um, the level of attachment to the relationship wasn't the same as it has been in this one. So I'm releasing my friend, I'm releasing all these things, and yet opening my heart at the same time to that vulnerability of being so compassionate for the whole situation. That's the miracle, and that is what I'm interested in. And I'm so grateful to know that um, when I come across these things and I don't have the answer of what to do next, I just 
get to go to spirit because that's the next. Indeed. And a, a lot of shoots can come up, especially when we're in unfamiliar territory. So that's one of the things about the ego is, A, the ego, if we're in familiar territory, the ego says, well, that's not how we've done things. We always do it this way or this way is the better way. I know from my experience and can get very attached to how things should or shouldn't be. Uh, and then when things are unfamiliar, because even though someone is experienced helping people make their transition, there still can be a lot that's very unfamiliar. And so the sense of looking for some way to stabilize, some way to identify in the moment, and it's, it is looking, the ego looks to the past for identification. So uh, I read something about this. I know something about this. This is how it should be based on my experience, what I know, what I read, what I heard, and clinging to those shoulds of how things should be, particularly in challenging situations because the ego is struggling with its identity in unfamiliar challenges. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm very mm -hmm. happy that I have all the support that I have. I'm very grateful. And, and it reminds me to pray for all the other people in Masterful Living when I go into the light to pray for the situation that I'm having right this minute to extend that mm -hmm. and that's helpful and you just you just move through this I guess <laughs> and mm -hmm. I want to do it with joy and I am finding bits and bits and bits more of joy here and there that's wonderful when we can really be totally in service from love with compassion, that's that can be very joyful, even though it can be a challenging situation. Hmm. Thank you, Mary Christine. Anybody else like to share, ask a question? I would like to ask a question. Great, Lawrence. Um, Uh, hmm. my, all right, I'll just jump into it. My partner has, uh, he was admitted into the hospital 
And uh, mm. he uh, is in really bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I I really felt that <clears throat> that I couldn't provide proper mm-hmm. care for him at home, and I kind of tricked him into going into the hospital and uh, for for tests and arranged it so that he could be admitted, kind of behind his back, but. Uh, Anyway, he's in the hospital now, and he's very unhappy about that, but he he was not happy. He he was just kind of vegetating. He was languishing at at home Mm -hmm. and refusing, absolutely refusing to eat. And he was just, I was, my fear was that he was going to actually literally starved to death in mm-hmm. front of that. Uh, so uh, he asked me to bring him his pain medications from home. And I remembered how I felt when I was in a similar situation in the hospital. And I know that, I know what I would have done, and I know what I wanted to do. And I don't know if it's, right for me to deny him the the option of I don't know if it's right I don't even know he I don't even know that he would actually that he actually wants to commit suicide I I don't know mm-hmm. I know only said that he wants to, he would like the pain medications. And I know that when I've been in the hospital, I've often felt the need for more than they were giving me, and they wouldn't give me more. And I just wanted, I really just wanted, at times, more pain medication. Or they, mm-hmm. they, wouldn't, they wouldn't bring it on time. And I would have given anything for just just for <clears throat> one for one shot or one pill for mm-hmm. to alleviate the pain for for a few minutes. So I, if that, I don't, I don't know if I should be, I don't feel comfortable making these decisions for him. And yet, I don't know if he's really rational enough to be responsible for his own decisions. 
So, well, if the situation were reversed, what would you wish for Rick to do if it, you, if it was the other way around? <clears throat> for me now or mm-hmm. I would I would want to have I would want to have I would want to make the decision myself Mm-hmm. I, I would want to have the, the option in my own. I would want it to be my decision. In a sense, don't you think that? But I, but I no longer believe that there's any that that, there, that there's any use that I consider suicide to be not a viable option for me now. I don't believe that it's the I don't believe that it uh, accomplishes anything. I don't think it gets I don't think that it does what the person who's trying to do it is I don't think it I don't think it works I don't believe that it works because of experiences that I've had with with suicide attempts where I've woken up from them and Everything was just the same. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know a number of people who uh, really did try to kill themselves a number of times and were not successful. Yeah, I, I did. Mm-hmm. So when we do make our transition isn't it really the choice of the higher self yes it's not something that happens to us right so when someone commits suicide When someone commits suicide, then the choice is made by 
the personality, the ego? Is it possible that a suicide would be spirit-directed? Yes, I think so. Uh, yes, I think so. Uh, but it just wouldn't work unless it was the right time. Uh, but of course, of course it wouldn't work until it was the right time. Well, okay. It's uh, there, there's also the, the see. I also know that when you're when when one is under the influence of a lot of pain medications, right? You're not really making clear decisions. You're certainly For not sure. experienced. That's right. Or just when someone's in a lot of pain. Right. So uh, so if I – well, it still comes down to whether I should be – deciding whether or not he should have his own medications, which, I mean, after all, he could have just taken them with him himself and not told me. And then it right. wouldn't be my decision. So I'm just wondering if I, if it's right for me to insert myself in between him and his medications and his right to have his own medications. And, I mean, if he comes home, and there's there's every possibility that he'll be coming home. Um, Good. Then, then, the, uh, then, he, then his medications are here. Do I have to hide them from him and meet them out to him? I mean, this is where it's sticky for me. Right, right. Can you have a conversation with him and and tell him exactly how you're feeling? I think... Uh, I'm not sure. I, I try to really, really have a conversation with him last night, and he didn't seem to. I know he was listening to me, but he. I got the distinct feeling that he was very resentful of what I was saying to him. I was. I was. Trying to 
apologize. And I, I just got the feeling that he just didn't believe that I was sincere. Mm. He seems very bitter and angry underneath. He's not acting mm-hmm. bitter and angry, but he, I think he is. I think he's blaming me for uh, for the way. Well, it is. Sorry, for the way. For the way that he's for the way that he's feeling, because he's really he's in a lot of pain and he's very very uncomfortable. His body is really. And why would he blame you, Lawrence? Lawrence, I think we lost. There you are. We're <laughs> um, not loving him enough. Well, all forgiveness is self-forgiveness, and all blame, a lot of the time, it really seems like self-blame projected outwards, and someone who's in pain and on a lot of meds and emotionally stressed, which Rick definitely is from everything you've said, is not in their right mind. No, he's not in his right mind. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So not to treat him like he is in his right mind. And obviously I'm I'm not going to tell you what to do because I don't know what you should do and what might be some kind of middle ground is to give him a couple of extra pain pills I don't know that the doctors would let him keep a whole bunch of meds around because people steal meds in a hospital. Oh, I know, but you can you can put them in your drawer. <laughs> I know. They don't they don't well, go through you. At least in my experience. Hmm. 
But are you going to see him every day? Well, he, he was just he was just admitted. Like, he was just yeah. admitted. Okay. So, yeah. So yes. to give it, bring him a, a couple every day, so that he would have them in case of emergency. Of course, he could choose to stockpile them or something like that. That's what I already. I, I thought that that would be the best thing. But then if he wants to do that, then I mean, he can do that. As I said, he could have done that if he right. thought it. And he would have. It's just that he didn't, he didn't expect to be going. He only expected to be going in for tests. He expected mm-hmm. to be coming home yesterday. So he didn't think mm-hmm. of taking him with him. Mm-hmm. I'll take him with you and try to talk with him. I guess. I don't want to upset him and say, you can't have them. I'm not letting you have them. And yeah. I don't want him angry. And I don't the moderator has left the conference. Yeah, you don't want to get into any kind of a power struggle. Yeah. Mhm. And how are you doing now, Lawrence? How are um, you feeling? Most of the time I'm fine. Uh, I sat there in the emergency room for. 12 hours yesterday and I was uh, unbothered. I was Mm. being in my higher higher self really all the time. Um, I even felt Joyous at times. I felt really good sometimes. But then when he finally got transferred, when they finally gave him a bed, he went over to the other to the other part of the hospital and they took him up to his took him upstairs from the emergency room. Um, I saw that they sent him to the oncology unit. He goes through all these many, many vacuum sealed doors and all these warning signs and hazardous Mm -hmm. waste. I hadn't really expected that. I didn't 
and he hadn't either. And it was kind of like, whoa, this is the end. End of the road. Is he feeling that it is the end of the road? He's been feeling that, that it's the end of the road since he got the initial. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's been very clear that he's got, that he has that idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm also, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm stuck between accepting this right. and, and trying to, trying to see it as not real. I can maintain in my mind, I can. I can make it I can make it disappear. I can make the whole thing disappear. Mhm. Mm I make I make him disappear along with it and myself as well. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. That's fine, but then I mean that's perfect. That's beautiful. But then I have to talk, try to talk to him as he's lying there in the hospital bed, wasted away, and clearly not uh, not believing a word I'm saying to him about the non-reality of this and how we're always, how we'll always be, we are always together and that just doesn't believe it. And it makes me, for for those, for periods, for short periods, it makes me not believe it too. Mm-hmm. But I can pull myself out of it, but I can't pull him out of it. Right. Right. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm abandoning him. Mm. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's exactly what it feels like. What would you be abandoning him to? To I feel like I'm 
leaving him there to die. You're abandoning him at the hospital. Yes. I was told in your reading that I was uh, his mother in a past life. Hmm. Well, you've been together a very long time. Your lives are completely intertwined. Your spirits. But you're not abandoning him at the hospital. You have no intention to abandon him. No, my intention was to turn it to, to turn it over to to God. My intention yes. was, was to turn his care over to to the Holy Spirit. And what if this is what it looks like? And it must be, because if that was your intention, that was your desire, and this is what's manifested. Yeah, that that, that actually did, that that came to me last night after I got home. That this was, that, yeah, that that is what, what is happening. It's just hard to, remember that all the time but I think I'm learning how to do it one of the most I'm not worried for my for myself I'm worried for his sanity Mhm. I'm concerned for his sanity. Mhm. I understand. I've been concerned for my own sanity for a few times too, <laughs> but it's been brief. I could make a joke, Lawrence, and say, I think you've been concerned for your sanity as long as I've known you, but. <laughs> and longer than that. <laughs> I think we've known each other for a long, long time. <laughs> no, but I had a few moments of being really deeply concerned for myself. Just a few, mm-hmm. just a few dips in the. Mhm. Well, and these dips are completely understandable when our identification is being challenged. So when our world is being turned upside down and when uh and Anna Marie has this with her husband. Uh 
where she's been his caregiver for many years and his his choices are not always her choices uh and yet she loves him and has compassion for him and would like to be of service to him these are the conflicts that we have this is the conflicts that we have with our loved ones uh i certainly had them with my parents when my mother was making her transition uh and our perceptions come into play our attachments our identifications they're all attachments they all come into play and they're they are coming up for healing through the experience of course it's it's a it's a different thing but it's a similar thing too that Jesse in this class reached out to me he um is making the decision to um help facilitate his dog's transition and Sammy his dog has been in his life and a a key support and partner in a way to him for in a very real way for uh many years and these are shifting times our shifting identifications our roles change in our relationships sometimes we're the caregiver sometimes we're the one being cared for sometimes we're the lover sometimes we're the friend sometimes it seems like we're the parent or the child and all of these kinds of changes are disorienting to the ego and so similarly to where we started at the beginning of the class talking about when these challenges are happening whether it's just a momentary emotion or a major life change to be able to as uh master saint germain talks about uh, call upon the i am presence as i know you're doing lawrence to lead and guide everything to make it clear and to transform and transmute any arising energies that are threatening or discordant or confusing and to have no judgment Yeah. So that is my aspiration no judgment. Yes. And so when if Rick is not in his right mind and he's uh angry, upset and blaming sometimes the best thing can be to really to turn away from it, not to ignore it. Cuz that would be provocative but to acknowledge it but not feel it's your responsibility to make him feel better but really to give that to the spirit 
Same thing for Mary and her friend. Same thing for Anne-Marie and her daughter. To not feel it's our responsibility to make it happen, but we become that. I really like to say the fulcrum point because we're calling in the healing. We're saying, I'm part of this. I'm not a victim here. I'm part of this, and I can call in the angels. I can call upon the I am presence because the I am presence is acting through everyone here. And there are times when, I'm trying to think of an example, there are times when it can be profoundly healing for someone to have the opportunity and the inclination to take their own life. I know it was for me. I had I had the opportunity, I had the inclination, and to decide not to do it. Because it's really more than just not choosing it. It's deciding not to do it. It's a full moon today. So doing Ho'oponopono and full moon releasing ceremony even just briefly is helpful. We have one person who's been uh, coming in and out of the group that's currently muted uh, and has not said hello. Uh, if you want to raise your hand with a star too, I can unmute you and you can say hello. I thought it would be great for our full moon if we went around the circle and just made a simple statement of what we're surrendering to the light today. So maybe Lawrence, you would like to start. What would you like to surrender to the light today? I would like to surrender self-judgment. I'd like to surrender all judgment. I'd like to surrender my all my judgments and opinions. Thank you. Carla, what would you like to offer to the light today? Um, things can't, I don't know if they're linked. I think they're linked, but um, 
it's um, believing my thinking and the resistance I have to following spirit. Mm. Thank you. And Anna Marie? I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, yeah? I, oh, you can hear me. I would surrender that everything is really the way it should be and accept it and be grateful for it. And that I... Mm. I can be at peace with this. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Mary Christine? All of these above and Mm -hmm. any attachment any attachment and letting go of all values that I put on what it looks like. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, and I too surrender all attachments, all judgments all the habits and patterns of obscuration, resistance, reluctance, any place where I think I don't know, letting it all fall away. So I'm going to speak a word of prayer for all of us. I also invite you, Lars wrote a really long post in the Facebook group, and uh, I encourage people to take a look if you haven't seen that. Uh, It was so great to be with you, Lars. I know you'll listen to this later. So great to be with you. Really, really great to be with you. And uh, Myra also. Uh, It was so wonderful to be with her for just about 10 days, a little longer maybe. Uh, Yeah, a little bit longer. That was really sweet. And uh, we also had Alison Ponsetti uh, in the English Adventures and the Spiritual Counseling Intensive. Great to be with Alison again. So great when we can be together. So joining together in this very moment. So grateful and so thankful to surrender all. Surrendering all attachments, all beliefs, all judgments and opinions, anything that could stand in the way of our clear knowing. So grateful and so thankful to surrender everything that does not serve, everything that is false, and grateful to affirm our willingness to be our true selves, authentic, loving, and free. This is what I know for 
everyone in our lives, all of our families and our friends, knowing for Lawrence and for Rick that there is peace, that there is harmony, and that there is wholeness. Knowing this for Mary Christine's friend and Anna Marie's husband and for each and every one of us individually, blessing Jesse and Sammy and their family, blessing all of us in our movements through time and space, this journey of the dream. So grateful to know that despite all appearances, we are the living, loving Christ presence, eternally free, eternally peaceful, eternally loved and loving. So grateful and thankful to surrender any and all seeming impediments to our peace, to our love, to our joy. Claiming joy for each and every one of us. I am grateful that we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So I'm going to play a song, and uh, the song for the week is How Can I Serve? This is the Agape Choir, How Can I Serve, written by Ricky Byers Beckwith. It's uh, one of my favorite chants that we used to sing. And uh, to me, in our lives where everyone is sharing from, we're in that place of being of service to ourselves and to our loved ones. And so we're just asking that question of the higher self, how can we serve love today? I love you all so much. Thank you. Happy full moon. <laughs> 